If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for Louisiana man. So rolls enough that both are faded love and let's all dance. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. Davis, to step up in the pocket, gonna heave it for the end zone, and it is caught! It's caught! It's a touchdown, Whitley! Going to throw. Throws back. He's on the Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Clear Eyes, Full Hearts. This is your Texas high school football podcast presented by Dash Sports. We have a jam-packed show for y'all today. Our primetime picks are going to be filled with absolute gems. I mean, there are some great games around the state this week. We're also going to have our coaches interview with Coach Trevor Owens of the Lubbock Cooper Pirates. He coordinates the special teams for the Pirates this year, as well as coaches the linebackers. We also have our individual games of the week. Tobin is going to be covering Connolly versus Salado. We've talked a little bit about both of them already this year. And then I'm going to be covering Columbus versus Yoakum. Columbus was in the top 10 earlier this year, uh, dropped out after a close loss to 4A Smithville. And then Yoakum is number five in the state. There's also a lot of other games across the state. And I mean, there's no way we're going to be able to touch on all of them in the, in the way that they needed to get covered. But we promise you that next week, the recap, it's going to be loaded with big matchups and we're going to get everything covered. Speaking of the weekly recap, we apologize for not getting our weekly scheduling out or our weekly recap out on Tuesday this week. Tobes and uh, Tobin and I, we both went to the huge upset of Texas A&M and Alabama this past weekend. And that game kicked off at seven o'clock. Four hours later, the Aggies emerged victorious. Tobes, I, I know y'all took a bus from like the Waco area. I didn't get to bed. So by the time we got back from the tailgate to our the place at the house we were staying at, it was like two or three o'clock in the morning. I was so worn out from the game that um, that I took a little nap on the way home. So uh, I was I, I was just worn out. I was I had a massive headache from yelling from from for the whole game and uh, but the experience that was just crazy, man. It was that was the, cr- the craziest I've ever seen Kyle Fields. Yeah, my, my wife actually had to take off of work because she could not physically talk. For yeah, it, it's funny. Also, uh, I mean, I don't know if anybody, any of our listeners listen to Tech Dags Radio in the morning, but the uh, host, David Nuno, he had to take off. Uh, I believe it was either Tuesday or Wednesday because he lost his voice too. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of Aggies without voices yeah. on Monday morning. But, I still feel like I'm tired from the weekend, to be honest. Oh, I know, I'm, and I'm not ready for this weekend either. So yeah, we yeah. Uh, and and then on top of that, Sunday morning I had I went and worked the church pick the local church picnic here for the church uh, for the Catholic Church, and uh, so by the time we normally record that weekly recap on Sundays, and by the time Monday got here, I mean we produce a lot of shows over here at Dash Sports, so missing sunday due to the picnic and the lack of sleep on saturday night we were not able to get the we just needed a person we needed a personal day yeah we, we took our we took a personal day took yeah. a vacation day however you want to put it 
once again, we apologize for not getting the show out on Tuesday. It won't happen again. Like Tobin said, we needed a personal day. But like I mentioned, we have a ton of great games across the state, especially with district heating up. And I think we're in the second or third week of district, depending on where you're at. And on top of that, district titles are starting. You know, you're starting to get your placement for the district title and kind of seeing everything shake out. And then you also have ranked matchups on top of that. So it can't get any better. Tobes, do you want to go ahead with our primetime picks and give us your primetime picks, the games that really caught your attention? And then I'll go yeah. ahead and give us our mind yeah. after that. Yeah, so uh, first game I want to get into, uh, big-time 6A matchup. You have Denton Geyer, 7-0, against Allen. That's a huge DFW matchup. Going to be a knockdown dragout fight right there. Um, another game that caught my eye is Umbola Tascacita playing Houston C.E. King. Both are top 25 teams. Um, C.E. King's relatively uh, new onto the scene. I feel like, you know, we always hear about Umbola Tascacita, but uh, C.E. King's really made some noise this year. Um, they're six and zero coming off a of bye, so you have to think they kind of, you know, schemed up some things for uh, for Tascosita. Another game of five A D two that's going to be interesting, and we talked a little bit with Coach Owens about it is Wichita Falls Rider against Lubbock Cooper, um, big time district matchup right there. And then I'm going to take. I always love these small town matchups, man. Uh, I'm going to take it down to two A D two. We have the number two Winthorpe Trojans and defending state champions against the number three Munster Hornets. That is going to be a dang good game. And I would not be surprised if you see those two schools meet back up in the playoffs at some point because obviously it's two versus three and uh, both are just really, really talented programs there. Yeah, and so going back up to that Denton Geyer-Allen game, Geyer has, since that uh, Atascacita game that they played earlier in the year, I think it was they gave up 35 and scored in the 40s or something like that. They're, they've given up 15 points per game since that. And uh, But Allen, they lost to a Tascacita. I want to say it was like by 20, like two or three touchdowns. I know that they scored 20. And even including that game, Allen is still averaging over 50 points a game. And like I said, Geyer's defense has been salty, only giving up 15 on the year. Be interesting to see. You know, Push is going to come to shove on that one and see what happens there. Yeah. And then you also mentioned a C.E. King game. I don't know if you know who's all in that district, but that district is loaded. So every game is important there. That's, yeah, you, um, could, you could have a four, the four seed from that district go and beat the number one seed from a, the district that they play they match up with in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and for our listeners, that's North Shore, Atascacita. Beaumont Westbrook and CE King all in one district. Gosh. That's that's four top 15 teams. Oh, well, CE King is not 15, they're 22. But that's four top 25 teams right there. Yeah. And one more, Jordy, I forgot to mention this one um, on my end. Uh, 3AD2 top 10 matchup. We have Abernathy, the Antelopes, and we have they're playing the number Abernathy's number nine, and they're playing the number 10 Idaho Wildcats. You have to think whoever wins that game probably is uh, going to win that district. And so that's a huge matchup down or actually up in the panhandle, uh, top 10 teams. Yeah, I mean, 
It's a, it's a big game there. The Abernathy Antelopes, I actually spent some time up there in 2016 doing an internship, and they've got – I think it's at Idaloo, but they've got a nice facility there, and they've actually done some really nice things with that program, making some great runs in the past few years. And Yeah, I mean, Idaloo has a song about them too. Okay, we're not going to talk about Josh Abbott. <laughs> well, I thought the, the, I – I this is a, this is a Roger Crager only podcast. We don't talk. What about, about Robert O'Keen? I mean, come on now. The, the, the younger folks may not know who that is. Tobin. Lyle Lovett married to Joe. I, I promise you, they don't know who Lyle Lovett is. Yeah, that's true. So, fair enough. I so my primetime picks. Obviously, you grabbed a couple of them from me, but number nineteen, Side Park versus Bridgeland. I don't yeah. know if. Do you know if he's if Connor Weekman's supposed to play? Yeah, I haven't seen anything. Um, you have to think that with this being such a huge matchup, and you know him and Harold Perkins for uh, Cy Parker. Yeah. yeah, they're they're such good buddies. You you know he wants to play, so I have to think. You know, even if he's seventy five percent, he's going to probably play that game. That's but what I'm... you never know. Hamstrings are a weird deal. You don't want to. You know, uh, if you rush a hamstring injury, he'll be out for the rest of the year. If you give it enough time to heal, you know that three weeks to a month you know he'll be ready to go but we'll see so and then also we have number nine frisco hosting denison denison is three and one in district five and one on the year um you know obviously uh frisco is going to be favored in this one the only loss that denison has on the year is to lucas lovejoy and yep. they've um really kind of held their own outside of that. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on there up in the North Texas area. Well, and Lucas then, Lovejoy's ranked number three. They're always solid. I think Denison was actually in the top ten before they lost that game. They might have been. I know that we covered them a little bit just in passing earlier in the year. Yeah. For a, for a primetime pick. Um, going back to 4A, Corpus Christi Cal Allen, number 10, is playing Corpus Christi Miller, who we have talked about multiple times about how, what a good program they have over there. Mm-hmm. Inner city matchup there. And then the battle of highway six, I'm sorry, the battle of highway 36 between number six, Belleville and Sealy. Um, Coach Rowe would never admit this, but I think everybody else in the world knows that if Belleville is going to lose a game before the playoffs, it's going to be this week against Sealy. You never know what can happen in that game. It's always crazy. And Sealy, while they may not have the ranking next to their name, Coach Mobley has done an amazing job over there since he stepped foot on campus at Sealy. Um, don't be surprised if Belleville has their closest game of the year thus far. Be interesting to see what happens from here. If um, if Sealy's able to keep it close for four quarters, we talked about Belleville hasn't been challenged in over a year since their playoff loss, and nobody's been able to get them to the fourth quarter, much less the second half at this point. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Wharton was down 62 to zero last week at halftime. So we'll, see. and then another game that, you know, isn't going to get the attention it deserves is new deal and post post has been down a little bit this year. New deals. Number seven. I, I just, when I turned on the film and watched post earlier in the year, I just can't believe that their record is who they are. I think they have it in them. So don't be surprised if that game is close. Could, I could be going out on limb there and be totally wrong, but that's just my gut feeling on that one. So I'm putting that one on our primetime picks. And then obviously we have our games of the week with Connolly and Salado and Columbus and Yoakum. Tobin, do you want to go ahead and take us in to the Connolly and Salado?
Starting out with Conley, the cadets are sitting at two and three on the year, one and zero in district. Uh, they, they're coming off a convincing twenty-eight-seven win over the Robinson Rockets. I would not let that record fool you, though. They've played some stiff competition, and like I mentioned, they're uh, they're a super young team, but they're talented, very talented. They have D one guys all over the field. Um, when you look at the cadets on offense, though, it all starts with their running back Trey Wisner. Trey Wisner, he's uh, rated as a four-star running back by all the scouting services. And he has offers from the likes of OU, Auburn, Arkansas, and Baylor. This kid's extremely explosive with the ball in his hands, Jordy. Um, I mean, I've see, I see him put it, they put, they'll, you know, obviously he's a running back, but they'll move him in the slot, you know, just get him matchups out in space. And uh, he is just, he's something else. I watched uh, his film today. It, it was his sophomore film. He was the newcomer of the year last year. And the dude is just unreal. And that's, Conley's had some really good players, uh, but, you know, last year, like I said, they were senior heavy. And so he didn't get as many touches last year, but dude, I mean, it was just every time he touched the ball, it seemed like he took it to the house. So last weekend, you remember when we went and covered that Stephenville game and how just impressed we were with that Stephenville defense? Yeah. They struggled yeah. with him, with him yeah. in particular. I, I know that the game wasn't necessarily as close as Connolly wanted it to be, Yeah, but they, they struggled with him keeping getting him to the ground, much less getting their hands on him. I mean, he's just – extremely shifty and athletic and then once he once he gets that space or creates that space then he becomes another problem because he's got the speed to burn off on you 100 i'd put him as the number two back in texas behind Ruben owens and uh just just really really good um i mean i can't say enough good things about him and uh, you know we, we've had coach gibson on uh with us who's the special teams coordinator over there and um you know asked him about him and he says he might be one of the best guys that they've had come through there and they had a guy two years ago named JV on Sunday, and he plays up the University of Washington. And then last year, the quarterback, Kevion Gaither, he's uh, playing safety at San Houston, but he played quarterback for the Cats last year. And so they've had some really good ones. And, uh, you know, just hearing what they think about this kid, he's going to be special. Uh, another player for uh, Conley that really caught my eye was the senior running back, Jermone Powell. Serves as a nice change of pace for Wisner. He's a super uh, hard runner and just a really good football player. Um, Conley is – out of the spread they're they're going to run out of the spread um that's what they like to do they like to run the ball they have a good offensive line they get up on you they'll get to that second level <clears throat> um when you look at this conley defense so they have a number of different playmakers um i was talking to coach gibson and uh they have a sophomore named keeper Silby Silby sibley i'm sorry keeper sibley and uh, he plays linebacker for them and uh they're super high on him another one to look out for is sophomore isaac perez uh he plays d-line and then on the outside at cornerback, they have a kid by the name of Kobe Black. His brother, I'm trying to remember his brother's name. He played for Conley too, but now he plays at Oklahoma State. And uh, they think that he's going to be just as good or better than him. And uh, all these, these three guys I just mentioned are all sophomores. So super young, on varsity, having a big impact as sophomores. And so this Conley team, you know, they've, struck, they've had some growing pains this year. But if they get it going, man, they, they could make some noise. Um, they just, they have, they have, there's a ton of athletes, you know, uh, we, we talked about this a little last week, Conley, I would have loved to have seen Conley and La Vega play because they're separated by 10 minutes and they had the same type of kids, just athletes all over the field. And I would have loved to have seen that game. Um, 
But yeah, Conley's extremely talented. Uh, we're going to transition over to Salado, though. <clears throat> so the Salado Eagles are coming into this game with a record of 4-2, and 1-0 in district after, after a thrashing of Gatesville, 42-6. to So like Conley, Salado's played a really good schedule. Their only two losses come from Stephenville, who we covered at length last week. And Stephenville, to me, is looking like the best team in the state right now. I mean, they are just really, really good. And then um, they lost to Grandview as well. And we, we all know what Grandview has done over the past few years. Um, looking at the Slato team, it all starts with their defense, though. They're only giving up around 15 points per game. And most of those points are to the two teams that they lost to, which Stephenville's put up tons of points on, a lot, on everybody they played this year. And uh, Grand, same with Grandview. And so, um, you know, they're just really sound on defense. They play a physical brand of football, and they, they'll hit you in the mouth. Um, Salado offensively, when you look at them, they're going to run the wing tee. And I talked a little bit to, about, you know, with coach Gibson about this and, uh, they're super hard to, you know, game plan for because they have been running this wing tee for a long time now. And I want to say they probably run it at the peewee level. So these kids have been running the wing tee their whole life and they have it down to perfection. The name of the game for them is ball control and eat up the clock and let that defense do the, do the work. However, I w the offense can score. Just because they play ball control and they like to grind the clock out, they're going to score. They're averaging 44 points per game this year. On offense, their, their standouts are three running backs. If you can stop these three, you're going to win the game. But that's easier said than done. They're led by number two, Seth Rivas number five, Caden Strickland, and number 25, Aiden Wilson. All three of these guys have had either 100 yards, 150 yards. I think one of them had a 200-yard game. But they're all averaging around 100 yards a game, and they can hit you from either, either of these three can just go off on you. And so uh, they're the workhorses of that wing tee backfield for Salado and just super physical runners. And, you know, we always talk about this. The wing tee is three yards in a cloud of dust. And uh, from the numbers these guys are putting up, it's uh, – more than three yards in a cloud of dust because uh, it seems like, you know, they're getting, you know, those chunk yardage, those 10, 12-yard plays um, just with the stats that I've seen. Keys to the game for me, though. Can Conley stop the Toledo wing tee from controlling the clock? When you play – when you're a spread offense and you're going to rely on your big plays, you want all those possessions that you can, you can get. And Toledo is going to try to limit that with their ball control offense. Conley needs a couple early stops so they can get their offense on the field. And if Conley can get out to a hot start, that's going to spell trouble for, for Salado. Um, but they have to get those stops early in the game so that Salado is not controlling the ball. And then on the other side for Salado, can Salado stop the big plays from Trey Wisner? Like we mentioned, this kid's an elite athlete, and it's easier said than done stopping him. But that's really, you know, when, when you look at it, their offense is going to go through Trey. And so that's what Salado has to focus on and make somebody else beat you. Make somebody else from Conley beat you. Don't let Trey Wisner beat you. So those are my keys to the game for the Conley and Salado matchup. I don't know how young Salado is, but this is about the time of the year where the young teams, if they're going to figure it out and make a run, this is when they start to figure it out. So we'll, we'll know a lot more about these younger teams like Conley and then Columbus, as I'm about to talk about. This is where it's time to grow up and, and – there's no more excuses at this point. You've played six, seven games. At this point, you've got two or three more games left in the year unless you're going to make the playoffs. 
you're basic. So if you're a sophomore, you're basically a junior by experience at this point. It, it's time to grow up and, and take the lessons. You've, most teams, most teams have certain. Okay, I wouldn't say most teams. A lot of teams have already used their bye week, and and you know what's coming. You know the process. It's time to grow up and make a play. Yep, one hundred percent. I and agree. So, and so I mentioned it. My game of the week is my alma mater, the Columbus Cardinals, hosting number five Yoakum in three AD one. We'll start over with the Bulldogs. They're five and one. Their only loss is to top ten ranked four A Quero, which is a huge rivalry game. I think they. I mean, they were down early and got a couple of touchdowns to get back in it late. I think they lost uh, twenty eight to like seventeen or something like that. I think it was 24-12 was the final. Yeah, 24-12. It was two or three touchdowns and and uh one and then a couple of field goals or so. But anyway, so they're five and one on the year. They're averaging 32 points per game on offense. Is 302 yards per game on the ground and 122 in the in the air. Players to watch. Uh number four, Jaden Jones. He has over 151 yards per game, total yards per game, and and he has scored 12 of the Bulldogs' 20 t- 20 touchdowns on the year. And then number two, Kevin Smith was actually a running back at Quero last year, and he is now serving as the quarterback for Yoakum. I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah, um, I, I, I didn't either. The thing about that is, is how far are Quero and Yoakum from each other? They're not very far, are they? No. I mean, if I remember correctly, it's like 15 minutes. I used to run around with a bunch of boys in Yoakum when I was in high school. And then I think we Don Bravo Sincuero, rest in peace. That was the best Mexican restaurant I've ever been to. Um, I guess I need to do Cuero for my small town spotlight next because I need to talk about Don Bravo's. Heck Anyways, yeah, be cool. from what I remember, it was like 15, 20 minutes. Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. Memory lane got the better of me. But anyways, so Kevin Smith, uh, he's he's not – like I said, he was the running back for Cuero, but he's serving as the quarterback for Yoakum. He's only attempted 33 passes in six games, but he's ran for oh, he's rushed for over 400 yards on the season and four touchdowns. So, I I mean, they they have attempted to throw a pass more than 33 times. They have only gotten to the point of attempting the pass 33 times. If that makes sense. I got you. Goes out, scrambles, pressures, whatever the case is. So they're going to run the ball, and Columbia, they're going to make you stop it. And the defense has been pretty stout, honestly. I mean, we saw that Quero offense against Wimberley in week two or three, and Quero was kind of having their way with Wimberley. Well, Yoakum only gave up 24 to them, and they're averaging just 14 points given up per game. So, you know, a little bit of clashing of styles on that side of the ball. I mean, I mean, they've got some guys that are really big, but they're not necessarily uber athletic. So it's it's gonna be interesting um, to see that matchup up front. As I'm about to talk about in Columbus, Columbus could not find any film, much less any stats. So I just have word of mouth. Um, I know that they're averaging 41 points per game on offense and giving up roughly 22 on D. Uh, I know that number six Jordan Woods and number two Hurd are two of the big playmakers on offense as well as number 11, Cleveland, and then obviously the quarterback is the freshman, Schobel, number eight. And they, the one thing that Columbus has been doing, if you've been following them, they've made some deep runs. I think they went to the semifinals two years ago and then the regional finals this past year in 2020. And what has been 
the bread and butter for those teams is we're going to run it down your throat and you're not going to stop us. And our defensive front is nasty and we're going to get after you. Well, thus far through six games, they're four and two and they're scoring on anybody. They're airing it out. They're, they operated more out of shotgun in the first week with a new quarterback than I think they did all of last year and the year combined. So they're, they're not scared to air it out. They've got the athletes to do it on the edge now. That's what I noticed when I looked at Columbus is um, they were really good. Like their guys on the outside are really, really athletic and uh, they can go up and make a ton of plays. Just uh, QB makes good decisions. Shovel makes good decisions and the receivers make plays for him. And that's what you need for your young quarterback. Yeah. I, I think he learned a lot in that first week. I think he might've had two or three picks against Lumberton. And then since then they've cleaned it up a lot. And I've, I've mm-hmm. heard a lot of really glowing reviews about the Columbus offense. Now, obviously, people in small town talk, so they're not too ecstatic about the defensive production. But with a bye week, and like I said, they're really and Coach Shovel we had on earlier in the season. He talked about how young they were, so it'd be interesting to see how that bye week helped them come and get together, go back to the basics. You know, they do that a lot, a lot of self scouting and a lot of going back to the basics and technique, and that normally really helps teams that have been struggling tackling or playing defense. Um, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Maybe there's some injuries we don't know about, but my keys to the game this week are going to be turnovers for Yoakum's ball security. Yoakum has had a ball security issue this year. They have fumbled multiple times. They've had bad snaps. And when you're going against an offense like Columbus, you can't have empty possessions, right? You don't have to, like we talked about before, you don't have to score every drive you go down, but make that freshman quarterback and those young offensive playmakers do what they do all the way down the field. If you go and get three or four first downs, you had a field goal range, but you punt and pin them deep, make them go 80, 90 yards the other way. I mean, yeah, maybe they might do that, but the more chances you give your defense to bow up and give them more room to, you know, bend a little bit, but don't break, the more six chances they are going to have to succeed and get you the ball back and give you another chance to go put points on the board. Whereas Columbus, between special teams and between special teams and open field tackling, I noticed that we have had issues corralling dual threat quarterbacks in the little bit of film I've watched. So Columbus, yeah, you're going you're gonna to have to keep number two in the pocket. And once he gets out of the pocket and he gets one-on-one, you're going to have to gang tackle him because he's going to beat probably 90% of the tackles he gets one-on-one. And it's nothing against the defenders that Columbus has. He does that to everybody. He does that to Quero. He did that to Bowling. He did it to Navasota. He's done it to everybody. So you can't just sit there and try to, you know, if once he breaks contain out the pocket, one, you're going to have everybody commit to him, and then you're going to leave somebody wide open. And you, it doesn't matter how accurate of a quarterback you are after that. If you've got a wide open guy and all you have to do is dump it over the top, he's going to run for forever. So that's my keys to the game is tackling, gang tackling, tackling in space, you know, really containing that quarterback for Columbus and then ball security for Yoakum. You know, like you already mentioned the Jaden Jones kid. I mean, I, he does it all for Yoakum, uh, over 700 yards on the year. And like you mentioned, the 12 touchdowns, he runs super hard. I thought that Yoakum was pretty good on the offensive line um, in the run blocking. I think they're a little susceptible pass blocking, but the line, the line was very physical. Um, a kid that caught my eye, though, uh, for Yoakum was the Ratliff kid. Um, he's a wide receiver, and uh, he may, he makes some plays for him. If they can get him the ball, he's a, he's, he's, he's a, good, he's a good playmaker. And so, um, you know, I'd, I'd 
probably put one of our better athletes on him on the outside, see if you can man him up and just kind of keep him out of the game because if they they do struggle to throw the ball, but they get it to him, he he'll make a play. Um, and then from Col- for Columbus, I think the th- name of the game for them is you know we talked about them liking to throw the ball a little bit, air it out, but also you know make sure you uh, make make good decisions. Um, one thing that caught my I think it was in the uh, Rice game, Columbus scheme wise they their coaches do a really good job of scheming uh the defense up obviously that's their job but they did a really good job off offensively there was one play and they just ran it over and over again it was a pass and uh and that they uh the guy on the outside the outside receiver they act like they're throwing a screen to him and the inside guy runs a wheel route and so that safety if he takes one bite and uh, that corner is going to come up as well to try to stop that screen and it was open all day i think they scored two or three times off that play and it's like if you're the defensive coordinator for uh for um for Rice, it's like guys, stop biting on it. They're gonna, you know, they're 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 killing us with that. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh if Columbus, you know, schemes something up like that again against Yoakum. And you know um, those guys watch so much film, they're like, oh, like and it, it, that's something you may like just catch like Thursday. You're eating lunch and you're just watching film. And it's like, oh, hey, that safety really bites on those screens. Like, hey, let's you know try this. And uh, it's all about you know the film preparation so we'll, we'll see what happens that's our games of the week and our primetime picks so with that we're going to go ahead and move it on over to our interview with coach owens coach owens is the like i mentioned earlier the special teams coordinator for lovett cooper he has won a state title as an assistant coach at mason and then he was the defensive coordinator at comanche before he went up to cooper and i think his first year at cooper he was d-line and now he's moved over to linebackers and special teams so strap on in. We talk to everything. We get a little bit of insight about what it's like to be a special teams coordinator and really what it's like coaching up in the 806, being in the Lubbock area. And then obviously they've got some absolute dudes on their defense. And we ask him about Kyler and Kobe. And then they're obviously their top 10 matchup with Wichita Falls rider this week. So go ahead. We're going to bring that in right now. We'll catch you on the other side of that. Let's get after it. Today we're joined by the Lubbock Cooper Pirates special teams coach and linebackers coach, Coach Trevor Owens. Coach, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tobes, you want to go ahead and hop into the questions? Yeah, let's get it going. So, hey, Coach, uh, I know you're the special teams coordinator, like Jordy said, uh, for Lubbock Cooper. What are some of the first things that you look at when you're breaking down some of the special teams play that you see from other teams and, uh, you know, kind of game planning that? Uh, I kind of look into – Probably the first kind of special team to look into is their punt. Uh, so I try to figure out how to line up to that first. And then I look mm-hmm. at how they've lined up to – since we've played Wichita Falls Rider in the past, I look to see how they line up to our punt. So those are the first two main things. Check out who their kickers and punters are, especially these guys. If it's a skill guy, if it's a guy that's playing other positions, or if it's just a true kicker and punter. And mm-hmm. uh, from there, then I look at kickoff, seeing if they're consistent on kicking deep, pooches, something like that. And from there, it's just kind of charting all that stuff. Definitely. No, I appreciate that. You know, we don't we don't get a lot of special teams. We've had one special teams guy on, uh, but that was at the first of the season. And so, you know, had they hadn't played anybody. So it's just kind of – I like to hear, you know, what the – we always talk to defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators. So I like to hear, you know, y'all side of things and what y'all see. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah. So, Coach, obviously we talked about you being over at Cooper right now. And, you know, obviously everything's ever-changing with how fast Lubbock is growing. But can you kind of speak to the community and the kids that you all have over there and, and really what that passion that they have for Friday nights, how that produces into an atmosphere on Fridays? Yeah, I think Lubbock Cooper is a little different than a normal small school 5A just because in the past probably eight to ten years, it went from a 3A all the way now to a small school 5A. Like when I graduated high school 10 years ago, they had the same numbers as Monahan's where I went to high school, which was about 550 kids. And now right now I think we're at 2,000 or 2,100. So in the past 10 years, it's grown that much. And I think that just – we actually have a community. It isn't like a, we're labeled Lubbock Cooper, but we're not part of Lubbock ISD. Kind of have our own little community out there. So I think that builds into the passion, uh, which we're about to kind of get split up to because we actually have a second school getting built that will open up in two years. So uh, we'll actually be a Lubbock Cooper ISD with multiple high schools. But, yeah, just building up from the small school to now the big school, it's kind of just grown the passion. You still have that small town feel uh, a lot more than I feel like other maybe 5A schools have. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I didn't realize that, you know, Lubbock Cooper was its own community. I just kind of thought it was, you know, there in Lubbock. I didn't realize it was its own ISD and stuff. So that's cool to hear. Um, yeah, moving into my next question, Coach, I know you also work with the linebackers. Um, you know, linebackers obviously work as a unit, but I know that you all have one guy over there, uh, OU commit Kobe Kinsey. Can you talk about what it's like, or Kobe McKenzie, can you talk about what it's like to uh, get, a, get to coach a talent like that? Yeah, that was kind of new to me coming from small school, seeing just kind of the upper level of talent that we kind of had on the team already here. Because uh, between him and then we have another one, Kyler Jordan, who plays D-end, but we switch fronts up. So he plays linebacker some half the time too. Uh, yeah. With both of them, they're just hard workers and you can just – they buy into their talent too. They aren't just talented kids that aren't working real hard. Uh, but yeah, Kobe's a freak athlete. He just got named actually to the Under Armour All-American team this past week. Wow. Uh, nice. They came and presented it to him. So one of, I think, 23 kids in Texas and only one of 100 kids in the nation that got presented to that. So that was a cool deal for him. And then uh, Kyler's going to Baylor. So uh, he'll be there. He's actually going the full year here because he plays baseball in the spring. Uh, Kobe's enrolling at OU at uh, this in January. So he graduates. In yeah. Gotcha. Nice. No, that's awesome. I didn't realize that uh, he was doing Under Armour. I figured with a high-rated recruit like that, he'd do Under Armour or uh, Army in San Antonio, but that's really cool to hear. I bet that was a cool atmosphere. Like, don't they come to the school and do like a like a big presentation, like at the pep rally or something like that? Yeah, it was at the pep rally on uh, Friday morning. So they came, presented him a jersey. I think they gave him shoes, gave him stuff, all that stuff. So it would be cool for him to be able to experience that. Heck yeah. Nice. So we talk about the culture – on this show quite often. And, you know, when coaches come in, they all have <laughs> ways that they implement their culture and, and how they feel and, and, you know, the identity that they want their program to take on. Can you kind of speak into how coach chip kind of speak to the culture he's implemented there and the, the identity of y'all's program? Yeah, I think at hundred percent culture gets implemented in the off season, uh, which with the big school, we don't have all our kids in there because some of them were big baseball school too. But for the most part, that's implemented in the off season, rolled over through the summer. Uh, but yeah, he's kind of, I feel like changed it, which it started a little bit with coach Catwinkle before him too. Uh, kind of rolled it into kind of a hard nose, um, playing hard. Every kid's playing hard. Uh, you wouldn't think 
we're a 5A school. We have a lot of talent. Just talked about those two guys on the defensive side. But we really – most teams that we face have more talent than we do. Uh, a lot of the teams in our district do, honestly. Um, down, Not really downplaying our kids, but we're more hardworking kids, and that builds into our culture. We're going to have to scheme. We're going to have to play harder. We can't just show up and expect to beat teams. And uh, I think Coach Darden's really built that culture because of that. Kids are playing hard. I know defensively – uh, Coach White with our D.C. During team and during inside run, we do a thing called two whistle to where uh, the first whistle doesn't stop the defense. The second whistle does. So you're running to the ball the whole time. So it's kind of playing past that first whistle. So that's kind of just that mentality getting to the football. Yeah, uh, Coach, moving into my uh, next question for you. So I know that uh, Ryder, they're pretty decent on offense. They're averaging, averaging around 36 points per game. Um, what's the biggest thing that you're preaching to your linebackers with a solid offense like that coming up this week? Uh, it's really going to be make sure we're sure tacklers just because their running back is probably 6'1", 225, plays defensive end as well. Uh, he's going to run through arm tackles. We've seen that the whole time. I think he has 800 yards through six games. So he has a bunch of rushing yards. He's their main dude on offense. Quarterback's really good too. Uh, but it's going to be sure tacklers line up play football. We've played each other for the last three years, six times, I guess we've played each other in the playoffs too. So we know each other's going to come down to who can do the little things like making tackles. Nice. Sounds like y'all might have a collision course headed for the playoffs again this year. Yeah, we got our region's a little tougher this year just because Grapevine has a lot of people back. I think El Paso Canateo is pretty good out uh, west too, which they're usually solid. Um, they the with the, are they the ones with that nasty running back? That's Burgess. He's, oh, okay. he's going to Missouri. Yeah. Uh, he's a Yeah. Uh, that's Tavares Jones, I think his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. He's a bad dude. So, when for those of us that are going to be either watching it on a stream or, or for those – for people that aren't watching film, let me rephrase that. For the people that aren't watching film or doing the game plan with y'all, who are the guys we need to be watching out for the rider offense this week? Uh, running back, like I said, um, Willis is his last name. And the quarterback is a junior. Um, he was up last year as a sophomore. He actually played some on the defensive side, though, as a safety since they had Jacob Rodriguez, the quarterback. And he can wing it. Not as much of a runner as Jacob Rodriguez was, but uh, I think his arm talent is pretty much the same. Uh, receivers on the outside, they don't really have just one guy. Uh, number six, little slot receiver is pretty solid. Um, they bring in one of their D linemen, comes in when they go two tight ends, number 15. He's a bad dude on the defensive side, and he's a dang good tight end, too, blocking-wise. Uh, so those are pretty much the main threats offensively. And then for the Cooper side on y'all's defense, we've talked about Kyler and Kobe, but who are some other guys that have really kind of impressed you for your defense so far this year? Uh, our wheel linebacker, or we call it the backer, he, he was a running back last year as a sophomore on the offensive side. We moved him to the defensive side. Cutter Douglas, who's really stepped up, and uh, he'll be a big one this week that's going to have to make some plays. And then our uh, strong side linebacker slash safety, I don't really know what people call him. He's our, we call it Rover. Some people call it Sam linebacker. Uh, Kyle Lewis, which he's kind of – people see him on film. He's not very big, but uh, he's the hardest hitter we have in our whole team. It's not really even close. Uh, he won big hit award for the first five weeks. This past week was the first time he didn't win it, and he was all upset about that. But, uh, yeah, he's borderline kind of crazy too, which I think makes him a good defensive football player. Heck, yeah. Heck, yeah. Those defensive guys have to have a little crazy in them. 
Yeah. So coach, we have two questions that we ask all of our guests and, you know, we really like to hear, you know, you get old coaches, young coaches in between coaches, you get different stories from everybody. So mine is what, who is the best player you have coached or coached against thus far in your career? Hmm. That's interesting. I would say probably the best one coached against was two years ago against Jojo Earl, kind of a combination mm. of playing both these guys. Uh, the running back for the Ludo team, McClennan. Chase McClellan. McClellan. He's he was Alabama. a bad dude. And uh, Jojo Earl, both people on that team were legit. And then they had another receiver. Yeah, um, can't think of the other receiver that went to Utah. It was also on that team. All three of those. Joe Jordan was probably the best one overall. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was kind of hurt in our game. We played him because his shoulder was kind of hurt, but he was probably the best one overall, I thought. We saw yeah. plenty of him last week. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, – every time he caught a punt return, I was like just kind of holding my breath because I know he has that – he has breakaway speed. Yeah, anyone that walks into Bama as a true freshman and starts a receiver and punt returner, that's a legit guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Coach, my last question for you. So. I know your dad was your high school coach at Monahan's. Um, usually we ask our coaches about their biggest influences on why they became a coach. Obviously, you know, that probably had something to do with it. What was it like getting to play for your dad and what did that mean to you? Yeah, it was obviously great for the most part. Obviously the first guy getting your butt chewed out too. Yeah. People think coaches kid have it easy. Not for me. I got more butt chewings from my dad a lot more than other kids that I felt like maybe even deserved more than me, which I, every butt chewing I got, I definitely deserved, but it was awesome at the same time. Obviously now it's really cool talking back on those times. And now we talk once or twice a week about who we're playing this week, what the game plan, he has my huddle account. He watches film just as much as I do. So usually by the time we talk on Wednesday night, uh, we talk about what game plan wise we should do. So it's pretty yeah. cool, Bill. He's still – he's retired now, but he's still locked in with Lubbock Cooper football now. And shout-out to Monahans. They're 6-0-2, still rolling. I was about to say, they're – They're up with them just as well. Coach Styles done a hell of a job down there. Yeah, I was about uh, to ask if uh, you ever pick his brain, but it sounds like you said you'll have y'all's weekly Wednesday call to you go over the film and get on the same page. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let, let it be known that Monahans football came back before Texas did. That's exactly Ooh. right. Monahans football is back. <laughs> We got a big one this week with Snyder. Yeah. Uh, good Snyder's one. coming off a loss with my buddy, Coach Wood. Wes Wood is co head coach at Snyder. So, might be have to text him, talk a little trash as the Lobos roll into town. I'm not sure <laughs> if Snyder's still on there. I don't know where that game's at, but that'll be a good one. Yeah. We, uh, we're we trying to get out there at some point. It's a little bit of a trek, but hopefully hey. they keep up that undefeated later in the season. When yeah, go down there, maybe watch the Greenwood one. I think that's what you and me were talking about. That'd be a good one. So. Toby, you got anything else? Man, no, I just appreciate you coming on here and, uh, you know, letting us ask you questions, pick your brain a little bit, and uh, hear a little bit about Lubbock Cooper football. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Thanks guys. Appreciate y'all later. everybody so big shout out to coach owens for coming on we really appreciate it like he said go lobos go pirates <laughs> we'll uh we'll see y'all next week actually we'll see you tuesday 
Sunday night, we will sit down, record, and get all of the scores from around the state, give you the updated rankings on Tuesday, and we'll go from there. We'll see you next time. Take it easy. Catch see you on the later, Tubbs. Yes, sir. Later.